Support for this podcast is provided by That Cast Creative. Brand your business and connect with your audience by creating a custom podcast. Learn more at thatcast.com. Want to advertise on this podcast or one like it and reach a targeted and engaged audience? Go to thatcast.com to start reaching our audience. That Cast Network presents The Beaver Buzz, a look inside Oregon State Athletics with your host, Bob Lundeberg. Welcome, everybody, to the Beaver Buzz podcast, part of the That Cast Podcast Network. This is your host, Bob Lundeberg, back with another show after taking a week off. I, I was trying to get a pretty cool guest last week, but we couldn't end up making it work, which is unfortunate. So uh, apologies for that. You know, to be perfectly honest, this week's uh, this week also didn't go exactly according to plan. Uh, I actually wanted to record a, sh- a show with Oregon State Athletic Director Scott Barnes to talk about a number of things, including uh, Barnes's controversial no vote on a proposal that would have added a third paid assistant coach to baseball and softball. But uh, I was not the only person, actually, who wanted to talk with Barnes following the vote. And uh, my podcast, that that kind of wound up uh, turning into a sit-down interview with Barnes that also included my former boss, Steve Gress, from the Corvallis Gazette Times and Albany Democrat Herald. So in, instead of having Barnes on the show, which I will absolutely try to do at some point later in the year to talk about some different things, uh, Steve is actually going to be joining me to talk about our, our interview with Barnes along with some spring football and baseball topics. I, I think you guys will really enjoy this uh, pretty wide-ranging conversation that touches on some major issues with you know, college baseball, it's just structure as a whole the Oregon State football team's prospects this fall, and why the search for the next head baseball coach at Oregon State should, should be over. As always, I want to thank you guys uh, for listening to the Beaver Buzz podcast, part of the ThatCast podcast network. You can find my show, uh, plus a bunch of others, on a whole wide range of topics on the site. The Beaver Buzz podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, and other area on other places. So please, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, it really does help us out. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here, and I'll be back on the other side with Steve Gross. Redline, we're really about training the youth athletes. We are focusing our training business on young athletes between the ages of 8 and 18, so that when they go back out to their sport of choice, they can perform better. Here, we're about building that better athlete. Online at redlineathletics.com. Want to grow your money and avoid pitfalls in financial planning? Check out Chuck Price and Investing Simplify. Find it and other shows on the ThatCast Network. ThatCast.com. From Guild Coliseum to Research Stadium, it's the Beaver Buzz with Bob Lundeberg. All right, you know him, you love him. Corvallis is at times and all me Democrat Herald sports editor Steve Grass. He's back on the Beaver Buzz podcast for some more punishment. Steve, we uh, we had a pretty interesting Monday afternoon, didn't we? Was that Monday that we did that? <laughs> yes, uh, we did. One of those days. <laughs> what is today? <laughs> No, for sure. And, and and for those of you who don't know, um, and, and all of you guys can read uh, about this in my story on Oregon Live or Steve's piece on GazetteTimes.com or DemocratHerald.com, that there was a vote held last week by the Division One Council that would have added a third paid assistant coach for baseball and softball. Uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, the vote was struck down by this 40-person council. One of, uh, our, of the major conferences, the SEC, ACC, 
and Pac-12 all backed this proposal, but but it was far from a consensus. Uh, the ACC barely passed it. Well, the Pac-12 reportedly had two dissenters, California and Oregon State. <gasps> so uh, exactly when, when news of this did break on Twitter, um, many Oregon State fans were understandably um, outraged, honestly, by the school's athletic department, you know, failing what, or what it appeared to be uh, failing to support baseball, you know, arguably the school's strongest athletic program. And, you know, things remained, I'd say, pretty hostile over the weekend. Um, and Scott Barnes, though, he was nice enough to sit down with me and Steve on Monday to kind of explain his side of the story and why they chose to vote the way they did. So we'll go over some of the details kind of throughout this episode. But uh, I guess, Steve, we'll just start with, uh, did did Scott, did, did he kind of convince you that it was, you know, overall the right decision for Oregon State to not back this proposal? I mean, yeah, in a lot of ways, it's hard to understand the complexity of everything that goes into these decisions. And, um, you know, it, with softball being tied to it and what that kind of an impact would be and not having maybe enough time to look at that. Um, I I believed what he had to say and I understood the, the position in which they were coming from um, being an outsider and not someone who's a fan of the program. Um, I can see that maybe clearly like I can. OK, I'll take you on your word. I everything that you said continued that there wasn't like oh you said this but then you said it this way and it was different a little bit and stuff and so um i, I definitely think that they that the, the reasoning that they had they felt really strong about and i mean look scott barnes even acknowledged this fact during our conversation i mean every baseball and softball coach in the country wanted this thing to pass and i mean why wouldn't they it was going to be adding it was going to essentially be transitioning uh volunteer assistant coach to have paid one which would also allow him to go out on the road and recruit so you know just it makes complete sense that every coach would want it but i mean the fact of the matter is i i don't I mean, this wasn't a well-written proposal it just wasn't you know it was originally supposed to be adding that third assistant along with keeping a volunteer that's what the original proposal was somewhere along the way it got changed and also really late in the process softball was actually included and not not to get I guess too nerdy over the top here but you know softball has far fewer players on the roster um, than than or, than baseball does it's about 35 players for the average d1 baseball roster softball is in the neighborhood of 20 whereas the, the sports have the exact same number of coaches so it just it, it didn't seem to make sense from that perspective and you know a lot of people out there have said that this proposal it would have had no chance of passing without softball but you know I, how are we supposed to know that it, it, because this thing failed anyway so I just it's like I really do believe it was such a giant mistake kind of to alter this original proposal, which, you know, it seemed to have a lot of support in the offseason. And ultimately, they kind of watered this thing down and it failed. You know, you look at a lot of things and I think you're right, you know, and I understand like trying to maybe piggyback on, you know, getting softball on there. And everybody wants more coaches. And, and, and especially this day and age of, of student athlete welfare and these types of things, having more people around is not a bad thing. However, there are ramifications to making all that stuff happen and now you've got you know you've got to look at what's it going to cost everything comes down to money let's just be honest yeah. um you know and, and oh it only costs this much for this 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 is but there's so much more you add that recruiting part that's going to cost more money because you're going to have another coach who's out on the road recruiting that's more money and you know flights and hotels and meals and there does come to be you know how much that is i don't know i mean that's why i said i don't know how much it it costs now for those things you you add some cost to that i definitely think that when you look at baseball um i i agree just 
paying the volunteer assistant to make him a, you know, a full-time paid assistant doesn't change the real inequity of baseball is you know the numbers of and pat bailey just talked about this earlier i'm sure we'll talk about it later you know it doesn't change the number of teacher to pupil if you look at it from there and um it's still the same number if you add that paid person and then a volunteer but then at what point do you go well then that volunteer is doing the same thing that they're doing now so they're not making any money you haven't changed that part of it so there's a whole lot to kind of you know dissect through like on the surface I wondered how on earth would anybody vote against this because it would be a good thing. Me too. But the more you look at it and the more you kind of start thinking, and and I know that it was, well, it's not mandatory that you do this. You could vote yes and still not pay for a third assistant. But that's in reality doesn't happen because you're going to be competitive with everybody else in your conference. So if your whole conference is doing it and you're not, well, that that's just not going to happen in this day and age. You're gonna have to do that. So, um, yeah, there was a lot that kind of got added to it, and you look at it, and, and in the grand scheme, I think baseball is in and of itself kind of the strangest sport as far as that goes, with 11.7 scholarships mm-hmm. and how you divvy that up between 30 to 35 kids, and then you the coach to you know player ratio is all different everywhere. So I just think it'd be nice to see baseball could just get something fixed and kind of get them back up to a level that that works. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I think, this kind of perception out here that Oregon State and some of these other schools that voted against this proposal, like Texas and Texas Tech and Ohio State, other big-name schools, that, you know, these programs are just being cheap. But, you know, my, and my Twitter mentions, I'm sure just like <laughs> yours, have been filled with, you know, comments from people who aren't, you know, too happy with Scott Barnes, one of the Pac-12's highest-paid athletic directors with a salary near $1 million per year, voting against something that would have added, you know, just two assistant coaches. That's it. For whatever some people perceived as, you know, financial reasons only. That's the reason he voted against this. But I guess I, from my perspective, I think that it's it's just it's a lot more expensive to add these two coaches than, than a lot of I think a lot of people realize. I mean, so many comments. Oh, it's just a hundred thousand total and all that. It's like it's not guys. It's not just fifty or sixty k a year salary for people. There's benefits and plus the salaries are a lot higher. It's 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 actually a much bigger financial commitment than I think a lot of people out there realize. And also, secondly, you know, Barnes he didn't really use finances as an excuse to us now did it come up sure i mean everything when you're an athletic director finances are always going to be a part but i mean barnes you know he really didn't like the fact that softball was attached to this because you know what baseball and softball are very different sports with very different issues and quite frankly that that logic it, it did make sense to me yeah, you know, and and, and again, it's, it's strange because we haven't really figured out when softball got tacked on. No, and, and no, no one, one seems really, to know. You know, has that answer of where it is, which would be an interesting to see. It was the SEC. The SEC is an SEC-backed proposal. SEC athletic directors, after talking to other ads from around the country or whatever, they're the ones that made the decision. Oh, we have to include softball, but I think that was short-sighted. I don't think that was the right decision. Yeah, you should go back to those athletic directors, see how they voted, then ask them why everybody else or so many other people. I mean, the the the, the biggest thing in this is that it didn't pass it's not like Oregon State was an outlier and said well we don't agree with this but then 78% of the rest of the country no. did I mean the, the majority the, the, the proposal failed. failed and so it's not Oregon State's not agreeing with everybody else and looking and that's where I kind of go like okay well that 
now there must be a you know you, you look at it, there must be some pretty good reasons they're not the only ones now had yeah. this passed and Oregon State was opposed to it then I think it looks a lot worse but I don't think it you know from an outsider's perspective then it looks like well they're kind of in the majority as far as thinking this isn't a great proposal and maybe there's a better one out there and it just needs to go and you know maybe voting no on this and having it not pass will lead to better legislation that's going to pass and as Scott Barnes said you know good legislation passes pretty easily this one wasn't very good legislation because mm-hmm. it failed, you know, in, in a close vote, but it still failed. And so um, it, it, it's time to go back to the drawing board. I think that, you know, I mean, I asked him, like, do you get an opportunity to provide the feedback for mm-hmm. those who you know made the proposal? Like, here are the reasons why we voted against it. Here are some reasons that would make us vote for it. I think. I mean, he, I don't know if he flat out said it, I don't recall, but I think if softball wasn't there, even though this didn't meet some of the things that they would like to see, I think that they would have voted yes on this. Scott Barnes said, by the way, 100% he would have backed this exact okay. proposal that he didn't even like because he didn't think it went far enough. Remove the softball aspect, he would have backed it 100%. And I think that's the part where I left kind of encouraged by by what Scott Barnes had to say. I think you kind of left encouraged, and we just we just got done speaking with Pat Bailey for his weekly uh, media availability. And, and you know it would be understandable if Pat Bailey was upset because of the way this vote went. A lot of baseball coaches throughout the country were upset. I'm sure deep down Pat maybe is only he knows, but he didn't really seem that upset today. I think he he understood why it failed. It seemed like to me he really uh, Barnes was able to communicate to him and express to him that hey, we think a better proposal is out there. We can think we we can do a proposal that actually does give you an extra coach. Whereas this proposal, it, it was going to end up being actually coach neutral. But Scott Barnes, he wants to see another coach added. Scott Barnes also mentioned on the scholarship point. I have no idea how realistic. This is in the near future, but 11.7 scholarships isn't enough. Baseball needs to have more than that, whether it's 12, 13, 14, 15. I mean, we all know that 11.7 is not enough. Scott Barnes wants to see a proposal that hopefully introduced next year that tackles that too. So I guess I was pretty encouraged overall by what he had to say. I understood what, where he was coming from. I felt like he knew he, he was committed to baseball. He wanted to make sure everyone knows he's committed to baseball and that this proposal simply was not going to be for the best interest moving forward. And I, I, I bought it. I really did. Yeah, me too. You know, I mean, I, I thought, you know, it's unfortunate. And, and I, you know, it's interesting. You asked him, like, well, did you think about you know, when this is going to come out to have something ready to go? And, and you know, and he said something like, this is one of those things where I, I learned about this from Kendall Rogers tweeting it out so much about the, the whole thing. So I wasn't even, it wasn't even on my radar. Had I not, if I didn't follow Kendall Rogers or Aaron Fitt, you know, two of the best guys in this yeah. business, you All know, doing college, college baseball. baseball. Yeah, no, All college fantastic. baseball fans, so, Aaron Fitt. Kendall Rogers, D1 Baseball, they are must-follows. Yeah. Both are really good guys that, that do great job. But I wouldn't even have known this was up there. I mean, I just don't dive into those types of things, and I bet most people wouldn't. And so that the votes of the individual athletic director and it's wrong to say the athletic director of the universities because there's a four-person panel once again that read, went through this read our, read our right. stories it's more um, complicated than just scott barnes but, there are other voices in the room but the, you know scott's like said like i'm not used i mean the conference vote comes out the pac-12 voted yes but not individual universities and in how they voted so he was caught off guard that this would even that 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 information would even be out there because they 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 do this for several 
tens of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 Do- pieces of legislation dozens. a year, you know, um, and, and none of this stuff kind of comes out. And it's like, well, we don't know every piece yeah. of legislation that's going through there. We just don't have time to, to look through all of those and how they're going to impact, you know, everything. And so, you know, that, that makes sense. Cause I was kind of like, well, that's just, you know, you voted no on this. Well, you should be out in front of it because obviously your fan base from a national championship team last year and a three times, you know, since Oh five. Um, yeah, that's a bad look, but it made sense as to wh- how the, how the whole process went and why they didn't have something. And, you know, he did, he was, he was gone, you know, down with gymnastics and got back and, you know, met with both of us on, on Monday and was happy to take the time and we didn't feel rushed or anything nope. like that. So, you know, he wanted to talk about it. He didn't, wasn't hiding anything from it as, you know, some people might think he was really willing and, and and receptive to answering all of our questions. Yeah, and Steve Steve mentioned probably the I maybe the most interesting single nugget that came out of it to me was that that Barnes said that in his 30 years of experience uh, voting on these types of things that it's the first time he's ever had an in-house vote uh, that, that go out to the public and he's, he, I think he estimated 50 to 70 pieces of legislation you know they, they vote on internally per year and this is so I mean I don't I'm bad at math but was that tens of thousands like 10,000 thousands I don't really know it's, a lot. it's thousands of these things he's voted on this is the first time it's ever become public I just find that fascinating and I guess you just have to credit Kendall Rogers for being all over it, but that blew my mind. I mean, I just I cannot believe of all the things to to leak out. Think of all the football legislation, <laughs> men's basketball, or maybe even stuff bigger than that. This is the story that leaked out. This vote. That's the crazy. Kendall Rogers, right there. Yeah, good for I him. Mean, you know, it's credit to him. I just... It's ra- it's wild. Well, yeah. Anyway, to I guess to wrap up the Barnes discussion, I, I think uh, at this point he really needs to act on these words because you know people are not happy about this. Again, fans. Uh, people around the program, and that's just a fact. They're not, and I understand why. I, I am okay with this decision that Barnes made, assuming he's true to his word, and he needs to he needs to now very quickly back legislation in the future uh, for an added for an added coach on the baseball side and potentially more scholarships. Because you know, if he doesn't do this, I, I think it could get. I think I think things could get pretty ugly for Barnes because you know whether it's fair or not. There's just there's this. Barnes does not have a very high approval rating among the average Oregon State fan. It just is, it's a fact. I don't know if that's fair or not, but it's true. And Barnes really needs a win here because he was very firm to us and that he supports baseball. He wants to see the new coach. He wants to see scholarships. So really, this is on him. He's got to be one of the leaders in this. Yeah, uh, you're right, and uh, you know we've got it down. We've got it on record. So we do. We've we've said it. We've we've used his words, and I haven't heard anything negative from Oregon State about what I wrote. I don't know if you have or not, and you know like, that we were incorrect in no, what we were doing. I've and, only and I've only said, received so. po- I, from people that work for Oregon State. I've and, and it, this includes people on the that work for the baseball team and also in the administration. I've only received positive feedback. Yeah. Just so, a good time. So yeah, I mean, I think so. There, I think they are all in agreement that, that this was a university-made decision, you know, with those four people. And you can read our stories to get all of who those people are. And you know, I think they've got the best interest uh, in mind here, and and they want something that's going to actually work and and improve the situation that it is. And I think if I I don't know, like you mentioned, the whole scholarship thing. I don't know how that happens, but I think of when, when women's basketball has 15 and baseball has 11. Uh, that just blows my mind and I know title nine and different things in there and I think you know that but something's got to give to to change that you know teacher to coach ratio 
or you know, coach to player, teacher to coach, they're the same thing. Same thing. You know, you know to kind of fix that ratio and provide a little bit more. Um, you know, there. And I know people say classroom sizes and this, and I, I, it's a little different area. You don't have, you know, classroom professors that are going on the road with these. Yeah, that's a know, terrible. Students. Sorry, people. That's so, a terrible argument. Um, I get that. I mean, I would love to have more professors to student ratio as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think, you know, having a kid in school right now in elementary school, you know, you had like half the class size, then my child would get more of the attention that's yeah. there, but that's not going to happen. So, all right, well, we're going to take a quick break as we are basking in sunshine at Goss stadium. And uh, we'll wrap up the show with a little spring football and baseball talk. Price financial group, wealth management. Navigating through today's financial investment world can seem pretty scary. Now here's the good news. Chuck Price, president of Price Financial Group Wealth Management, introduces a new revolutionary concept that will change how you invest now and in the future. It's called Asset Lock. Asset Lock monitors your investment accounts 24-7, 365, and alerts you when action needs to be taken. And now, Chuck Price offers Asset Lock. At Price Financial Group Wealth Management, we believe all our clients deserve to have Asset Lock monitoring their accounts. So call Chuck today or online at pfgwm.com and learn how you can get Asset Lock on your accounts today for free. Price Financial Group Wealth Management, because the smart investor knows what you don't know can hurt you. Simplify. Call 503-253-3000. That's 503-253-3000. Anna Canzano hosts That Expert Show, the show you help run. Hear the top experts on a variety of topics interviewed by a top journalist. Find That Expert Show and other shows on the ThatCast Network. Visit ThatCast.com. From Guild Coliseum to Reeser Stadium, it's the Beaver Buzz with Bob Lundeberg. So, Steve, uh, last weekend was the always riveting spring football game. And, you know, as I'm not my water ball lover, <laughs> yeah, whatever. So, yeah, to be perfectly honest, I was actually really surprised by the crowd. I, I think the estimates were between 2,500 and 3,000, which was, I mean, I have to be honest, it was more than what I was expecting. And I thought they were kind of engaged and with it. And, hey, I mean, for a practice, it wasn't too bad. And I think, too, maybe there was a little excitement because the fans were probably, what, mostly okay with what they saw? I guess what stood out to you on the field? I mean, there's not a lot of takeaways. It's just a practice. Did anything really grab your attention from that spring game? Uh, that spring game, that spring practice ended when it was over. Well, other no. than, other than um, the big you know, takeaway. I, mean, I think that there's some weapons on the offensive side of the, of the football. Um, I think we've known that, but, it, you know, not having Jamar Jefferson had one carry in it. Um, seeing well, BJ an electric Baylor, carry. Yeah, though. an electric carry at that, yes. Uh, you know, so it's like all you needed to see was that one. You're like, all right, he's ready to go. He'll, You know, he's there. Uh, you know, but I thought BJ Baylor ran the ball really well. And, and you know, you wondered, did the offensive line do a good job of opening some holes to run off the, the left side there? I mean, they, they got a lot of stuff running to the left side of the, the line. and Or is that the, uh, the defensive line? They talked about just on – Thursday. That was my first day back from vacation. Yeah, Thursday, you know, before, <laughs> you know, and I walked out there. What's going on? And you know, they said, "Hey, we've been we've been making some plays. We've been doing some things." So, to take them at their word for that, you know, they got there. They they gave up some plays. So that you know, maybe that's yeah. good on the offense. Uh, Josiah Irish, you know, has the ability to to be that number. Th four guy i mean you know you're looking at maybe you know, number three though maybe three you know it'd be interesting to kind of see you look at you know hodgins and bradford 
um, who didn't play in it. Tyshawn Lindsey, the transfer from Nebraska, wasn't out there. I think we like you know, Colby so, Taylor, too. And Colby Taylor's good. I mean, I just think that, you know, it's, it's hard. I was talking with a friend of mine, Paul. You know, he's like, yeah, but how deep can you go in all those? And how many of those are those guys going to see the field in mm-hmm. an actual game? And that's a that's a true point. You know, you like to see that depth in case somebody gets hurt or or just gets even for long term or just short term, even in a game that guys have now have that ability to go out there and do that. And um, I thought Jake Luton looked pretty good at quarterback. And Tristan Jebby had some moments. You know, I don't read a ton into the spring because there's not a lot. of Not everybody's out there and you're going against yourself. And, you know, there is still a long way to go until, you know, the, the first, you know, ball gets kicked off at the end of August. Um, but, you know, you would expect Jake Gluten to look pretty good having been in the program for the year and being healthy. He looked good. He looked he looked slimmed down a little bit. He just looked better and looked healthy maybe for the first time. Um, so, yeah, I think there's some positives on that side to go into the fall and see how things going to go. Yeah, I mean, I guess not surprisingly. I mean, the, the takeaways, I mean, the stuff was just right out there in front of us. It just kind of jumped off the page. I mean, I think we all know what Art Pierce and what Jamar Jefferson are going to bring. B.J. Baylor looked like he's going to be a legit number three. I mean, that Oregon State backfield's loaded. And then once again, Isaiah Hodgins is out, was out. Trevon Bradford was out. Neither too important. But, hey, I mean, Josiah Irish, I think we all expect big things from him. And Champ Fleming's made a nice, had a nice touchdown as well. I think the, the depth at receiver is also really good. And then, you know, you didn't mention him, but the linebackers probably was the strongest unit of the defense. I mean, Hamaker Rashid seemed like he was flying around making some plays. Um, Avery Roberts, I think he's going to be a big addition. Maybe Maybe even Omar Spates. I think he might play a lot. We saw Jeffrey Manning make have a couple <laughs> big hits. And then you, you mentioned the quarterbacks too. I To me, Jake Luton had a really, really nice day. And I think that was probably the best I've actually seen Tristan Chebia, to be honest. You, you know, I mean, Luton, Luton to, I, I mean, he's still going – he looks like he's going to be the starter. I mean, I think he's head and shoulders the best guy. You said maybe that should be expected. He's sixth year. He's experienced. He's comfortable in the system. And I honestly kind of did wonder if Smith did think about maybe naming him as the starters going into the offseason because I'm not really sure how much of a competition this is. But you know what? Luton, I thought, had a really good day. And I thought Jebbia, Jebbia certainly he demonstrated the ability to make throws and showed some accuracy. I mean, do you agree with me? Was that a step forward for Jebbia on Saturday? I think so. You know, and I think that's one reason why you don't want to detour the guy that's maybe not going to be the starter and and Jonathan talked about this on Friday before the spring game and he you know he was asked about that and it's you know if the, if he didn't believe in the leadership of this team if he didn't believe what he had seen you know from these guys coming from the end of yeah. you know November the terrible season that they had and then coming through and how they've performed the first two weeks of spring and they had the two weeks off and then back if he didn't feel like the leadership was there and that these guys would come out and still do the things he probably would have named Jake Lude and that's my opinion mm-hmm. you know because I think he would have needed to but he didn't need to and it gives Jebby and you know instead of like going all right well I'm second string going no I I maybe didn't have as good of a spring as I wanted and well he maybe I'm still number two but I can still work hard and be number one because he hasn't said it yet so there's still a hope you're telling me there's a chance <laughs> you know and so I think that might you know encourage him maybe to go out even more and I'm not saying that Jebby would have not worked hard to be out there because mm-hmm. I think it, it, he was around the program last year he saw the injuries they suffered at the quarterback position he knows that he's one play away from being out there you know I mean unfortunately for for Luton he's been hurt both of the last two years 
early in the season. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you hope that the third time's the charm and he's not, you know, if he's the guy and, and can, can help lead this offense. But I think, you know, Jevy is the kind of guy that, you know, he knows where he's at and he knows that what he's up against, you know, with, with a guy that ha- has had more experience in this system and under Smith and, and everything. And so I, you know, you can look in. I think they internally know what they want to do with everybody. They don't need to tell us right now. It's it's April, and True. you know, as we get into the fall, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you know, two weeks in, he makes the decision. You know, because they'll have had what they've been able to you know see during the the summer, what kind of work the guys have put into, and how much more they've developed. And if it's still like where it's at now, I think you know, a week or two in, they'll go, "Hey, here's our guy. We're gonna get ready to go now and do that." I mean, quarterback really is. I mean, it's a big deal, but ultimately it's just one piece of the puzzle as uh, Oregon State gets ready for the, uh, the summer and then it'll be entering uh, Smith's second year at the helm. What really I, I think probably is a pretty big season kind of for Oregon State football. You know, not necessarily – it's not like they need to go absolutely win six games or something and go to a bowl game. But, I mean, if we just take an honest look kind of at this – I mean, the season ticket base has really dropped off considerably for Oregon State football, and many people I know have either kind of just given up their tickets altogether or really cut back the number they have, and that's a really troubling trend. It's very possible, I think we were kind of talking during the spring game, that this Oklahoma State game in August, it's going to be on a Friday night, probably great weather, and the crowd, it's going to be like 25,000 fans or fewer, and that's just, that's, that's not really the energy and the atmosphere you want to open the season under, but that's just, that's the reality. So, it feels like to me, this team really needs to take some type of giant step forward, just with, in terms of like competitiveness this year. And I don't, I don't even know if it's necessarily win total, whether it's win three, four, or five games or whatever. But just like, there's just something good needs to happen this year. I mean, it just I feel it. This we cannot have another 2018. It can't be another two win season with tons of blowouts. Something has to improve. And I think you know, I think there were a lot of people that were were pleasantly surprised with the way the offense put points on the board mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, but when your defense couldn't stop anybody, I think that's where the kind of dejection came in or that, you know, that, that feeling of like, Oh, Hey, we did this, but we can't stop anybody. So I think, like you said, being competitive, they, it, even if they go two and 10 and they lose a couple of games by like four and six points, but it's, it's down to the wire. I think the fan base will see like mm-hmm. there's some progress being made. And, and you know, Jonathan talked about it last year. He wants that progress from year one to year two is really going to be interesting to see. That's kind of what he banked on a little bit last year was, yeah, I'm not worried about progress week to week so much, but it's the big picture. How are we getting better for year two and then for year three? And I think there does definitely need to be improvement on the defensive side of the football or the fan base is going to go, it doesn't matter how good we are offensive, we can't stop anybody. And, you know, in college football these days, I mean, a lot of offenses can put points on the board, but you got to be able to stop teams. And if you can stop teams, you're going to have an opportunity to win, and they've got to show that. Well, Jonathan Smith said this is going to be, what, the most important summer of their lives? I think that's a little bit of a cliche, but, hey, it's true. So, you know, we'll see what those guys can do. Got to get back in the weight room, get bigger, faster, stronger, come out come out strong in the fall, and hopefully uh, hopefully pick up a couple more wins than they did last year. You know, your point about that first game, I think, without the students here, it'd be kind of cool if they did something where they did a promotion where maybe whatever leftover student tickets aren't there. I don't know all the rules. This is just me thinking off the top of my head. You know, you, you discount those to like five bucks general admission or something. I love and, that. And idea. fill that because you fill that lower section over there. So on TV, it looks, you know, it looks full. At least, you know, get that. or And you get more people that maybe wouldn't necessarily spend. I don't even know what tickets cost these days, but too I'm much. Sure they're, I'm sure they're expensive. Um, 
you know, if you can get some people in, maybe you get some kids. It's a Friday night. School hasn't started up yet. You know, you get out. Good I don't idea. think school started yet. I don't remember. No. no, school starts after Labor Day. School starts after Labor you know? Day. And so, um, you know, get that incentive to show up and do something fun for that first game. You know, I'm not saying you got to give away your primo seats, but if there are student tickets that aren't claimed, just have people show up at the door and pay five bucks and get in and, and do that and, and see how that goes. It'd be nice to kind of get that get get some people here and maybe they can see that's an enjoyable even if you don't win maybe you have an enjoyable time with your with your family should be great weather stuff. maybe yeah. an exciting game and so, mike gundy has a phenomenal mullet i mean i'm a man i'm 40 <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> no, i'm older than that <laughs> eh, no comment on my age i think i'm 30 for about two more weeks <laughs> here you go yeah all right anyway let's uh, let's close this thing out we got to get steve out of here he's got important business today um let's talk a teeny bit of baseball since we are at goss um Oregon State, hey, they're still doing fantastic in Pac-12 play. I'm totally poised to earn a top eight national seed for the NCAA tournament. I know, look, I know everyone seems to be freaking out about these midweek losses. Win some midweek games, yeah. though. The be- the Beavers are just one in five, actually, in their last six midweek games, which is a little, a little surprising. But, Steve, um, I'm not super concerned about this. I don't think the coaching staff is necessarily that concerned. What about you? You that, you that worried? No, I'm not concerned anymore. I mean, I you know, I do think that it's important to, to win a couple of these as they're coming up. Um, you know, but these midweek games are not not real games in a sense that you're throwing your best guys out there and you're not going to use your bullpen the same way. I don't care what coaches might think and say. They don't. You don't see guys that are going to be here on the weekend a lot go out there and throw. I think – you know, I understand wanting to play those. It's a little strange to go play a Monday, Tuesday. Uh, you know, play a two-game midweek, and it's I know that's because yeah. I know that it's because they had Sunday off, which was Easter, so they finished the series on on Saturday. I don't know. It just seems kind of strange. Like, do you need to play that many games? And and for for a program like Oregon State, those can only hurt you if you lose. You know, you get losses to Portland, Oregon, and, and a couple to Nevada in here. And who's the other one they yeah. lost doing that? They, they split uh, this. Uh, Oregon in there. You know, I said Oregon, the San Diego, Portland, San Diego, San Diego State, State yeah. and two at Nevada. You know, so you kind of look at some of that stuff, and it's like, yeah, I, I, I wonder how much the committee looks at the midweek games, and, and if they just go, eh, doesn't really matter because we know that we're going to judge you based on what you've done in, in conference play, which is, you know, when you're throwing your best guys and you're probably putting your best lineup out there. So, um, eh. You know, maybe it's good. You lose a couple of these, and it gives you more of a sense of urgency to get back on, you know, on the good side of things. And, um, I, but I'm not concerned that this team. You know, I think they've got some talented guys. They're hitting the ball well. Maybe it's a lack of focus. I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't see it firsthand. So it's really difficult to judge off of, you know, watching something and not being around the guys to know really what it is. They are. They're always going to give you the. No, we treat them all the same, you know, type of cliche things is that's what they need to say. But I think they're a little disappointed. I think they're hungry to get back out here this weekend against Washington State. And I get it. I mean, there is some truth to the fact that, you know, midweek loss here and there, that can be the difference between getting into the NCAA tournament and all that, maybe hosting a regional or not. But look, when your resume is as strong as Oregon State's is, top six RPI or whatever, 10 games above 500 in the Pac-12, these games are not that important. I'm sorry. They're just not. Oregon State, all I got to do is keep winning these Pac-12 series, probably take maybe one of three at Stanford, and they're going to be a national seed. That's it. The conversation's over. Every other metric Oregon State is just outstanding in. Quarter one wins, RPI, strength of schedule overall, non-conference strength of schedule, uh, conference record. Oregon State is a slam 
dunk national seed right now unless the bottom falls out. And also, too, it's how surprising is it that Oregon State struggled a bit in these midweek games? Because you know what does it come down to? It's often pitching depth. They had to reshuffle their entire rotation when Kevin Abel, their ace, went down due to an injury. I think it's I think it's been impressive how well they've pitched considering that. So just I refuse to get worked up about these games. I know they're frustrating, but it just it's not a big deal. My only thought is, you know, are you executing at the level that you want to execute at? Yeah. You know, and, and you, when you true. strike out 20 times, granted it was a 12-inning game on Monday. That strike zone you don't was want wild to do that. Too. Yeah, and I didn't see it. So, you know, but those are some of the types of things. And, you know, it, it's tough when you, you, you know, Joe Casey, it's a two-run homer in the top of the ninth to put you up 6-4, and you can't close that yeah. out. <clears throat> you know, little things like that would be the only kind of concerning thing that it's a bad habit that you might yeah. fall into. But, I mean, the rest of it, I mean, if these guys bounce back this weekend and, do what they're supposed to do against Washington State, even though, you know, Washington State, it's a Pac-12. You can't look anybody, you know, take anybody for granted. But they come back out and play like they can, especially here. You know, they win these games comfortably. Then they're right back in the groove. And like you said, I mean, can you imagine if Kevin Abel was pitching right now? Because he's your Friday guy. So they take their Friday guy and move him into the, you know, you change the rotation. You got you got one of your weekend guys now pitching the Tuesday game. Yeah. And you probably win all those games. And so all of a sudden you're looking up there and, and no one's even. Imagine Grant so. Gambrell pitching these Tuesday games. I mean, Gambrell has been incredible the last few weeks. So just, yeah. Yeah. So, I, no, I mean, you know, and, it, and granted, you're going to need these guys, the, 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 the midweek guys, if you get to Omaha and you lose a game, you're going to need it. I mean, they, they needed it last year, but they got enough guys that I think they can throw in and piecemeal together to get you through innings, you know, if they Absolutely. get to Omaha and do that. So, um, you know, and, and baseball is kind of one of those games you're going to fail. If you fail 70% of the time as a hitter, you're a great player. So, you know, it's a game of failure and overcoming that, you know. What's that? I said unless you're a pitcher. Unless you're a pitcher. Well, you said as a bat, <laughs> sorry, as a batter. You I'm know, just you, messing with you. you know, but I mean, it's you know, it's one of those things where yeah, you don't want to fail seventy percent of times as a pitcher, but you know, you get some of this stuff out, you you learn from it. These guys are still young; they still got to gain experience, and so that's that's what they're doing. And like you said, they're doing so well in the Pac-12. I mean, you, know, you can get like go to Stanford and win one or two of those. I mean, you know, um, you got to take care of business in these conference games. But if you do that. And they're sitting pretty to be at home, and it's going to be hard for anybody to come into the stadium and beat these guys. I mean, I and think, beat them twice. I think it seriously is an incredibly underrated storyline. Just how good of a job Pat Bailey has done with this team. I mean, he inherited a group that lost arguably the best pitcher in college baseball and needed to replace like seven or eight guys in the lineup, including multiple first-round picks, <laughs> off the best offense in program history. And in this supposedly down season where the sky is falling now after losing to Nevada, um, Oregon State is ranked second in the country and sitting at 28-10-1 and 10 and 1 overall, 14-4 in conference play. I mean, all these new guys are contributing both on the mound and in the field. It's just, I mean, it's incredible what this program is. It just, it and really they've had is. injuries. I mean, Bo Phillips hasn't played for three, three, two weeks, two weeks three you weeks. know, and he you know, may Might or may not back. play this week. Who knows? We'll see. But, I mean, you know, there's your starting shortstop. You know, and you, you gotta lose your your ace pitcher and your starting shortstop. I mean, the only thing worse is like losing your catcher. And, it's and Tyler Malone's missed some time in right field. So, Joe Casey, Casey missed yeah. time with a finger. They've been so, a bunch of guys have been so they've up. been mixing, matching, and doing you know a lot more of the lineup. You know, changing some stuff that. So I mean, just the fact that they're able to to perform at the level that they are, and and I mean they're they're ranked in the top. Five, three, five, uh, whatever they are in D1 baseball. I mean, yeah, it's just incredible to, to kind of see that. So I know there's a lot of expectations and, and 
we're used to success out of Oregon State baseball, especially the last few years, that anything less than that sometimes makes you think the sky is They're falling. They're 28 and 10. But, 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 but I don't think the sky is falling. Yep. They're not as good as last year and the year before in the regular season. Yeah, they're not. You so know? they're not. They're not as good as the two <laughs> best teams in the history of the program, and arguably the best team in college baseball history. Yeah. yeah. So they're not as good as that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we actually we actually talked with Scott Barnes at the very end about the baseball coaching church, and and he said that uh, a committee is going to be formed here pretty shortly to to look for the next coach. And, you know, I get it. He has to say that for university policy. They have to go through checks and balances and all that. But, I mean, this search this search has to be just over. I mean, OC's coach in 2020 is either going to be Pat Bailey or Pat Casey. I mean, how on earth could it be anyone else other than those two guys at this point? I mean, just make an argument for it to be someone other than Pat Casey coming back or Pat Bailey having the interim tag removed. There's just there, I don't see a debate. Oh, did oh, I make? I you, oh, I, I made. Oh, I made you uncomfortable. Uh, no, not uncomfortable because I mean I don't disagree with that. I mean I think that you know you do want to do that, and whether it's university policy or not, do you know, kind of go through and and see who might just gauge some interest. I mean you never know. Um, but you know but what might be there. Gauge but. interest, but look at what Pat Bailey's done in his. I mean he's twenty eight, ten and right. one. He's. I mean I realize that he's. You know he's he's actually older than Pat Casey, but I just. I don't understand how you could go outside the program and hire somebody else with what he's done with this team. I don't either, you know, and um, again, I don't know what all the legalities of everything are, but if you're going to do that, go out there, see who's who's there. I mean, I don't I don't have a name that would pop out and say you got to hire this guy. You know, over Pat Bailey right now. Um, so I, I mean, I'm trying to answer your question. Well, I mean, I don't even really know. If I'm it's only a giving question. you a reason. My reason is because you would see who's who you engage interest from outside people. That'd be my only reason why you do the search. I just don't. I mean, I feel like you do. Ha- I mean, you have to do some type of search just because of that. The way the laws work. Granted, I don't have a great deal of knowledge on it, but I mean, just I, I have no idea how you could sell at this point in time that anyone other than pat casey or pat bailey is going to lead this program in 2020 i just i for the life of me i cannot understand how it could be anyone else so my question is does pat casey have to reapply is that why they're going to have a university uh, I, would, search? I don't know hopefully <laughs> hopefully he'll put me as a character you know character witness maybe i can weigh in on that yeah i don't you know and scott said that scott barnes said that him and pat casey you know they speak all the time but not directly about this. I mean, you know, it really is. Maybe, a, maybe not. It's a really, it is a weird, look, it is a weird situation. I, I, it's one of those deals where we're so close into it that maybe we don't fully grasp. Wait, this, what, what exactly is going on here? It is bizarre, but on a day-to-day basis with this program, it's, I really don't think it's impacting them at all. Like the players are out practicing right now. They're not thinking about who the coach is, who's the interim head coach. I don't think it's had any impact on this team. And Pat Bailey has done a tremendous job. And if Pat Casey really wants to either stay retired or go somewhere else, I think it should be Bailey's job. Yeah, I don't. I can't argue that. <laughs> so I'm not going to. Okay. Well, perfect. That's. I like. You know what? I think that's a good way to wrap it all up. Then, Steve, thanks so much uh, for coming back on the show. You know, you're not, you're not Scott Barnes, but I'll, I'll take you as a backup plan. Well, thanks. I appreciate that, Bob. <laughs> Uh, as always, everyone, thanks for listening to the Beaver Buzz podcast, part of the ThatCast podcast network. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, I'm going to be super busy this next coming week with actually we're going to be launching a pretty fun new baseball project with the Oregonian that I think you guys will enjoy. Uh, I will. I'm still planning to have some type of new show next week, but you know we'll have to see how things go. So uh, enjoy the weekend, everybody. It should be wonderful weather, and uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Discover the growing lineup of ThatCast Network podcasts and videocasts at thatcast.com.